the children's church, but here's the deal. This morning, everybody's going to color, and there's a lot of people that are above the age of like 15 that may have forgotten how. So kids are going to stick around, and later adults, if you've forgotten how, grab one of the kids that's near you and ask them to help. Recalibrate 2017. Recalibrate 2017. What is this? It's a compass, right. Over time, even a tool like this, a compass, can become slightly off. It becomes slightly off. It becomes slightly off from what it was initially set at. And in order for it to make sure that it's working properly, as it was originally intended to be, it has to be calibrated or recalibrated. Now, to calibrate a compass means to make sure its needle is pointing at true north. Now, there's tricks to calibrating compasses that you would use in a wilderness and tricks to calibrating the compass on your cell phone. Either way, whatever tricks you're using, it is important, I would say imperative, that if you are taking a trip and using a compass to guide your direction, you need to make sure your compass is calibrated. And even mid-trip, you need to make sure to recalibrate to make sure you're going in the right direction. Because over time, even a tool like this becomes off. What's this? A church. Over time, a church can become off. Over time, a church can become off. With Sundays coming and going, pages on the calendar turning, years turning into distant memories of the past, a church loses or, or has the potential to lose or move slightly away from the original intention that it started with, from its original purpose. Now, it may appear that everything is still going well. The offering plates are passed, the doors are open, there's still visitors that come in, some stick around and become church family. The change or the offness can be subtle and often goes unnoticed. So much like a compass, every church needs to be recalibrated. Every church needs to make sure it is still headed in the direction that God originally intended it to go. Now, to recalibrate a church in the most simplest of definitions means to help a church be and do what God has called it to be and do. I'm quoting a free Methodist bishop, David Roller. It is recalibrating a church means to help a church be and do what God has called it to be and do. Now, for those who missed our annual society meeting last year, I can already say that, December of last year, uh, as a church, Spokane's first free Methodist church was invited by our denomination to take part in a recalibration initiative. That's a mouthful. But we, we were one of two churches in our conference and one of about 25 free Methodist churches across the country that was invited to take part and be one of the first in the cohort of churches that gets recalibrated. Now, this was not an invitation that our church leadership took lightly. In fact, last fall, they prayed over it for six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, something like that. 
we knew due to a letter sent out by the bishops that recalibration involves a reorientation of purpose. Spurred by the Spirit of God, which filters through the church's programs and methods of ministry, it involves a change of direction. It requires church members and leaders to be willing to evaluate what the church is doing, why it is doing it, what is optimum for the church to be and do, and how to change in order to be and do what is optimum. Change can be hard. Change can be scary. Now, we may sit here and think, wow, is the corporate office, you know, Free Methodist headquarters in Indianapolis, are they going to try and put first Free Methodist Church in a box? Are they going to try and fit us to a specific mold, a one-size-fits-all type of church? The answer to that, no, definitely not. Our denominational leaders know and they highly value that each church has its own history, its own unique DNA, and even its own personality. Now, by us being invited into this, the denomination wasn't saying, you guys are going in the wrong direction. You guys are doing really, really bad. They were simply saying, hey, you guys are a church that we believe is primed to make sure your needle is pointed right where God wants it to point. And we want to help you get there. Now, this sort of thing is not anything new. Uh, Recalibrating is not new. Now, maybe the term is as we work with churches. But uh, if you were here at all for the Advent series that we just came out of, where we talked a lot about the people in the Exodus, or if you were here for Formation Hour last fall, where the, the people there read Genesis through Joshua, you've got to see, and you already know, that God's people throughout the Old Testament were constantly being reoriented. They were constantly being recalibrated by God himself to make sure they were going in the right direction. God's people's spiritual compass often became miscalibrated due to the the people and the values of the culture that surrounded them. And as this happened, God would appoint kings. And those kings would either reorient the people in the direction God wanted them to go, or they wouldn't. And they'd continue in that off direction. Two quick examples. King Manasseh in the Old Testament did not recalibrate the people to the direction that God wanted them to go. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 1 and 2 says this, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Now, over and over, God kept saying, you've got to follow me. You've got to obey my commands. But verse 9 in that same chapter says, the people refused to listen, and Manasseh led them to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. So Manasseh knocked Israel's spiritual compass slightly off. He had a son who did the same, but his grandson, Josiah, realized the need to recalibrate the people, and he took steps to do that. 2 Kings 22, verse 1 and 2, says Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right, and he led the people to do the same. Now, how did he do that? What was his main method or his main tool for recalibration? Was the Word of God. 
chapter 23, verse 1 and 2. It said, Then the king, Josiah, summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, and all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands and laws and decrees with all his heart and soul. And in this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people were pledged, they pledged themselves to the covenant. So that's Old Testament recalibration. It happens still in the New Testament. You fast forward to the days of Paul and the early church. Paul was often writing letters to the churches he helped plant and he helped shepherd, giving them a correction, giving them ways to go so that they were back in line with how God wanted them to be. Well, one example of this was to the church in Corinth. They were participating in the Lord's Supper, and they had started doing so in a way that wasn't how God wanted them to do that. So Paul told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he said, Let's start off. I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. So he says, you're doing something's good. I applaud you for that. Then he says, but the following instructions, in these I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. Now, verse 20 says, When you meet together, you are really not interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing it with others. And as a result, some grow, go hungry, while others get drunk. Now, what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What, I'm what, what am I supposed to say? Do you really want me to praise you for this? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So Paul then goes on to correct them. He realigns their understanding of what they're supposed to do in the participation of the Lord's Supper. And at the end of it, his, he finishes his thoughts with this in verse 34. He says, I'll give you instructions about other matters after I arrive. So he'll continue to reorient to recalibrate the church so that it's going the direction that God wants it to be going. So God's people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and still today, God's people have to make sure that they are taking time to make sure that they are headed in the direction that God wants them to go. Which is why I'm excited for 2017 and for the recalibrate initiative that we as a church get to be a part of. I'm excited for an adventure and for a journey, and I realize that there's going to be highs and lows. I know this. That's why I've been praying for this, as has our leadership for quite a few months now. So First Church, would you do me a favor, and would you pray for me? Would you pray for our leadership? Would you pray for all of us as we seek God's discernment on areas we're doing well, that we should continue in on areas where we may need to be slightly realigned or reoriented, recalibrated. Now, what's this going to look like overall? I don't know. I don't know. In a couple of weeks, I'll be flying down to Tampa for a week's training. And then after that, every month, I'll be doing trainings, so February, March, April, May, uh, in different locations with our regional cohort and our regional coach. 
I'm hoping that very quickly, hopefully by the end of January, we have more of an idea of what it will look like. Now, all these trainings are in the middle of the week, so you won't even know I'm gone, except I'm going to tell you that I'm gone, so that you can be praying for me and praying for us as we take part in this process together. What does God have in store for us as a church in 2017? Where will he show us we're doing good? And where will he ask us to slightly correct our heading? That's yet to come. That's large church. That's us as a body. I want to shift right now to our focus as individuals. And this is where the crayons come in. In the next 15 to 20 minutes, I want you to draw. I want you to write. I want you to create poetry. Uh, however you process, however you express yourself, if it's through paper airplanes, fold it up, just don't throw it. Okay? But you've got two blank sheets of paper and you've got a thing of crayons. And I want you, while you are doing this, to ask yourself the questions. In your own life, are there areas that God would have you slightly correct the direction that you're going in? Are there areas or things that you're doing now that you know aren't taking you towards where God ultimately wants you to be? Now, are there things you want to accomplish, relationships you want to invest in, goals that you want to achieve? I say that cautiously because on a day like today, people do New Year's resolutions. And I'm not talking about those, okay? Those are ones you say today and then you break by Wednesday. We're not looking for those. I'm looking for subtle changes in your life that will point you in the direction that God ultimately has called you to go. Maybe an example would help. On my blank sheet of paper, it's not even there yet, but on my blank sheet of paper, I am either going to draw a carabiner or a chain, or I'm going to write the word connect. Now, I do that because I believe that God has gifted me. He's hardwired me to connect with people, specifically people who don't know Christ, connecting them to Christ, but also connecting them to other people who know Christ. So that's part of how God has made me, okay? Connecting people who don't know Christ to Christ and to people who know Christ. Now, why is this a recalibration? Well, as a pastor, it is very easily to spend, very easy to spend all of my time working only with believers, only with people who already follow Jesus. And that's a good thing for me to do. That's what I'm called to do, uh, to lead, to grow, to guide this flock of people. But God has also called me to connect with people who don't know him. So the slight adjustment in my life is making sure that I take advantage of opportunities or I trust God will put me in situations that will allow me to connect with other people. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in your, uh, in your coloring. Um, Fifteen minutes of coloring. Now the games don't start till later and the Seahawks don't play till 1.30, so you guys are good to go. Okay? We're going to have some music playing in the background. Any questions on what we're doing? Grab a hymnal or a Bible, grab two blank sheets of paper, and color, write, however you want to express yourself. Ask God, God, how is it you are recalibrating me this year? You have a question, JJ? Uh, he asked if you will turn them in. Mike, we're still on Christmas break. There's no grades being given. Uh, at the end of this, um, you guys take these home. 
place them somewhere where you'll see them to remind you of them throughout the year. So no, you will not be turning them in. Other questions? 15 minutes of coloring. For some of you, this is torture. For other, this, others of you, this is like, finally, we get to do something like this in church. Okay? We'll play a little music, and I'll come back in about 15.
you're still working on it, keep working on it. If you want to, turn to somebody who's near you, especially if you like them, and show them your picture. Tell them about it. Tell them why uh, you drew it. And uh, do feel free to talk. I was thoroughly impressed with how quiet it was in the last 15 minutes. So a couple minutes, if you want to, just share with the person next to you about what you drew and why. And then we'll uh, wrap up.
All right, all right. I know you're talking. Um, you can continue talking after the service. Um, drew a chain with the word connect. I already told you why. So, uh, hopefully, this was something slightly different. Slightly. Did you want to share, Miss Susie? <laughs> I don't even know where the, the crayon buckets went. They're, they're, they're out there. I tell you what, Gary is going to grab the crayon buckets. And just so that we have crayons for the next time New Year's Day falls on a Sunday and I want to color... Um, we're going to pass the buckets around, <laughs> and you guys feel free, to, feel free to put the crayons back in the buckets. <laughs> Gary, I'll go, I'll go take one over there. We are going to finish this morning by taking communion together. Um, if you want to keep your crayons, also feel free. Um, and then just, uh, we'll go old school without ushers if you get it. Pass it to the person behind you. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. You can keep them if you want. Hey, Pastor Michael, he can keep all of them if he wants. <laughs> you just want to walk around, make sure people have those? And again, feel free to hang on to the crayons if you want them. We're going to finish this morning by taking communion. I'm going to invite the ushers who helped pass the buckets of crayons and pass the offering to come forward. We're going to pass out the elements um, and then uh, hold on to them. We will take them together at the end. Okay. Do you mind playing just a little bit, Tim? So ushers, go ahead and come on up. We'll have you guys pass these out. We'll, uh, we'll pray and everything after they're handed out. 